booty booty boo booty 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 boo. That's better. James, I'm joined with the with the very. I'm not joined with. I'm joined with you can, James. You can be joined. Oh, James, we're part of each other. It made recording really <laughs> difficult. The fact that we're joined to the pancreas. <laughs> <laughs> we share a pancreas and a and an artistic vision. <laughs> we're working joined at the artistic vision. James plays the character of Emil. Emil, I believe, was the. I was talking to to Jazz about the um, correct pronunciation of, it, and she was panicking because she got into the habit of saying Emil. And then she was corrected and had told it was Emil. And I realised, well, I don't ever have to say my own name, so I don't really care. Uh, but I think it's Emil. Emil Reichman was the character's name. So how would you describe Emil? Emil's not a terribly complicated character, I feel. He's one of the least complicated characters in the thing, in a way. He says, after having played the character. No, he's someone who is very idealistic and is very charismatic and is very charming and is... Is, is still coming to grips with things that have happened to him in his past. And that's really the, the meat of it as, as far as he's concerned because then it's, it's an awful lot of the stuff that he does is he's a very reactionary character. We don't get to find out much about Emil. It's just him reacting to all the awful things that happened even though he sort of is the catalyst for the stuff that Claire does. We arrived early in the morning. And the swallows were singing. And you ask me, how could this happen? How could so much horror happen in a pretty little town in our beautiful country? You told me it happens everywhere. People are people. In the dark we do unspeakable things. Clearly you're from Germany. This is all of the English I know. I don't speak any English and I'm reading off cue cards at the moment that are written phonetically so that I can pronounce it. <laughs> how, how did you go about approaching the uh, the accent and the language? You had to speak German as well. Well, the actual speaking of the language wasn't a problem because I slept in the back of a German class for six years. So I picked up enough to know the pronunciations and the blah and the blah. The accent was terrifying to, to get to grips with because it was le- it's less about doing a German accent and more about speaking like a German person, if that makes sense. Because they've got a very interesting intonation and inflection because you can get caught up in how vowels sound and the shapes and the this and the that but a german person speaking english which was what i did for the, the majority of it speaks english differently even if it's not a language thing but they speak english fundamentally differently so it was difficult and i had to work with some of the other native because of course as we said i'm a native german speaker <laughs> i had to work with some of the other guys and kind of record stuff and just listen to it endlessly and then record myself and listen to it back and then record it again and listen to it back and record it and listen to it back and just sort of whittle away at what eventually became a passing impersonation of a German cartoon character or whatever, <laughs> whatever I ended up doing on set, I don't know. And everything has to be translated. And you, like when you're acting in a, in a different accent, when you're trying to add inflections of emotional things, this and that and the other, it all, it all has to sort of be translated then. It has this like extra layer of, that everything has to go through. So I just didn't do any of that, and I just, I just did an impression of a, of a Nazi off the television. <laughs> so what were the unique challenges of a radio production? Dealing with you speaking in that voice all the time. When what you do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, the way that we filmed it, with the being on location and the... I, sp- I don't know, have you coined a phrase for the way that you... The super drama. Super, super drama. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> the Gareth Stack super dramas. <laughs> 
Location radio. Thank you. That was Garrett's full-time uh, live-in assistant <laughs> <laughs> and his uh, his nurse who minds him. <laughs> I assume that's what you guys are. Liga biscuits. I want more Liga biscuits. <laughs> we love you, Francis. We're only... Keep feeding me Liga. You can have as much money of you as you want when I die. But I'll never die. <laughs> this is, this interview is taking a dark turn. <laughs> It's different to being in a movie, uh, presumably because you can wear your silly clothes that you wear normally. Yeah, that's what I do in a movie. Anyways, <laughs> I refuse to wear anything that's not my own. <laughs> I feel like it. even if it's like a period drama, I'll still refuse to. If, if I'm not allowed to wear boots and denim, I'm I'm I'm, I'm out <laughs> and a smart blazer. These advertisements get worse every year. More persuasive. We're like the lobster in the pot. We don't even realize we're boiling. You mean the frog? Maybe in the West you eat frog. In Berlin we prefer lobster. I heard a story at the museum at Checkpoint Charlie. They said that when they rescued people, the refugees didn't even realise they were in the West. Not until they drove them through Kurfürstendamm and saw the adverts for Coke and Levi's. Claire, East, West, it's all made up. What about our right to respond? To speak back in the language that screams at us from the hoardings? Because it's directionless was the really interesting thing. It's very rare that you get to act in that sort of, especially with some of the stuff we did with the Binaerals, it's really interesting to act when you don't have a camera or an audience to play to, and you can actually move through the space and stuff differently. And of course there's like unnatural elements to it because you have to stay here and there's, you know, you have, you can't move and there, you know, there's, there's technical aspects to, to everything, but it was, it was, it was less intrusive than I thought it was going to be for the most part. And it made for some like really interesting performance choices and it made you, think an awful lot more about things like your footfalls and your and you, you become very kind of aware of how you walk or how you plant your feet or which is not something you do in film or in theater like the stuff we recorded in the dark was incredible again you whoever's listening to this hasn't seen it heard the thing hasn't listened to the thing yet i'll, I'll make your voice go if you're saying too much oh but that's what I sound like on, on, on recording naturally. That's why it's tremendously difficult to work with me. Some of the more kind of harrowing scenes that uh, I got to record, we actually did, where we recreated it in complete darkness and in cramped, uncomfortable locations, which made it really, really interesting. Because obviously you can't, you can never do that in theatre. You can never do that in films. Let's say, let's say it was, it, it was going to be a movie. What changes would you make to this structure? I would strongly disagree with the idea of it becoming a movie. Because uh, I'm sure as hell not going to play a meal in that case, am I? <laughs> so I'm talking myself out of a job. Um, no. He's an 11 foot tall African American man. I am, in fact, an 11 foot tall African American <laughs> fluent German speaker <laughs> without a lick of English. <laughs> and I'm conjoined at the pancreas to our small white director. <laughs> why, God, why? We've had a, it's been a difficult couple of years. Since we became conjoined in the accident, <laughs> should have wound my pancreas around you. This has gotten so weird. <laughs> they were kids, fourteen, fifteen. They all got taken out of school, taken away from their families, put into reformatories. You can't imagine the lives these people have as undesirables. They can't get good jobs. Their families aren't supposed to be seen with them. They can never leave. One of the girls. Uh, Helena. She was going to be a concert violinist. Everyone said so. She was so talented. 
but when she got out, she didn't want to play anymore. I don't know what they did to her, but they took something. Something that couldn't be replaced. I thought that the whole the whole format of it was so like specifically well tuned to radio with the idea of the that I didn't get I, I, I didn't get the idea of it of being turned into a movie or into a film until you explained to me how it would be done and then I was like, Oh, yeah, that'd work. There's so many scenes in it that have that are so kind of um Sorry, I'm just I'm just fixing my robot arm. <laughs> <laughs> Because um, I've also got a robot arm. That's why I couldn't play the part because Emil didn't have a robot arm, as far as I know. I played on it so the end, but sorry. <laughs> I think you'd need to almost dumb it down a little bit for for film, because with radio, without any distractions, it's it's like it's like the way certain really talented theatre directors direct certain things. But it's you really need to listen to it. You super need to listen to it, and I and I know you can you can make the exposition clearer with a visual but I think I think there's there's so much to it and I think a lot of that would kind of get lost in translation in a film I know you're trying to turn it into a film so you don't have to write anything else and you don't have to come up with another idea but <laughs> no <laughs> I'll be dining out on this for years to come on the opposite side of that I mean it's got like really interesting like action sequences that, that would obviously be, work well in film and um and the switching back and forth from um, from one to the other uh, of the two different timelines, and also the third implied timeline of the future that <laughs> that I wrote in <laughs> that we recorded when you weren't there. Why don't you tell everyone at home what your sequel idea? Thank you that the world finally gets to hear this brilliance that I'm keep trying to sell to you. Have you heard this? There's one line, a one line character that's implied. So this character that no one knows about and Nicole who features in the in the thing rise to power and plunge Berlin into a dystopian future. So Emil and Matthäus and the other one Gunter have to travel forward in time and take them down by getting everyone pregnant. They have that's then that's um what well, I think I speak for everyone when I say what. That's the but this is what I mean. This is the brilliance of it. This is the genius of the thing. No, it's um, it was a silly idea that I actually really enjoyed the idea of of, of three characters having to retrospectively deal with the actual plot, where they have to they travel forward in time and have to deal with what they themselves did in the past, which is the future. I know time travel stuff always gets weird, but I think it could work. I just want to get another gig. I don't have much else going on. <laughs> and I'm screwed if it's a film because of my robot arm. And you can find out more about The Wall in the Mind and hear the whole series, scene by scene or episode by episode, at garethstack.com.